Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preacher's contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand, and today I'm here with Father Gregory. Father Gregory, how you doing? How are things? I'm doing well. Uh, life proceeds apace, so looking forward to the episode. Awesome. Uh, and today is Monday, so we are uh, joined by our guest here on Guest Splaining, Bishop Bill Byrne of the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts. Bishop Bill, thanks so much for joining us, for being on the episode. We really, yeah, appreciate you being here with us. Sure, it's great to be here. I love to hang out with uh, Dominicans whenever I can. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I guess you've had a sort of, I was going to say a, a long history. I was maybe thinking a storied history, but certainly a history with Dominicans. You were for a D.C. native and um, a priest for the Archdiocese of D.C. and had the privilege, I guess, <laughs> or or the burden of, of dealing with many of our guys in formation. So um, especially at St. And Peter's on the I'm Hill. I'm an Angelicum grad. That's I'm right. An yeah, Angelicum grad. as well. So for better or for worse, I've been surrounded by, by the quarterback of the football team for a long time. <laughs> At the edge. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was a quarterback, a <laughs> uh, star quarterback. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's really great. <laughs> that's really great. Um, well, good. Thank, you know, again, thanks so much for, for, having, for being on the episode with us, for taking the time to be with us. I guess, I mean, perhaps better than my saying things about you and who you are, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners just a little bit about yourself, um, get us up to speed, that'd be, that'd be great. Sure, I'm one of the youngest of eight kids from... Suburban D.C., McLean, Virginia. I uh, went to school with the Jesuits for eight years. Holy moly. Georgetown Prep and then College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts, which I think was one of the flags in my life story that ended me in Massachusetts. I was chaplain for years at the University of Maryland, which produced two priestly vocations for the province of St. Joseph, um, Father Peter Martyr Youngworth and Leo Chekai, and then many, uh, several to religious orders and one in Linden. So, um, and then I was St. Peter's in Capitol Hill where we had a, a steady flow of Dominican friars uh, coming through. Uh, and then I was pastor of St. Peter's on Capitol Hill, not, I mean, uh, Our Lady of Mercy. Uh, for six years, I was on Cardinal World staff as Secretary of Pastoral Ministry and Social Concerns. So, uh, and then randomly, October second, two thousand twenty, the phone rings, and I don't recognize the number. I let it go to voicemail, and then I call back when I hear this, and it says, "Hello, Father Bill Byrne. This is Archbishop Christophe Pierre. Please call me at your earliest convenience." And so my hand started shaking, and then I found out that I was being named by the Holy Father to come to Western Massachusetts, beautiful, magnificent Western Massachusetts, where I've been here for a little over a year. That's great. I guess, I mean, I, if you didn't call back, I guess you would have stayed in D.C. They probably wouldn't have pursued things <laughs> any further, right? Is, is that kind of how that works? I think you just ignore it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. no. Actually, text you, them back. If you say no... There's a whole process. You've already been appointed by the Holy Father. So you then have to be dispensed from that appointment at a later time. So it's not like the Holy Father is like waiting, like, oh, I hope he says yes. 
he's already determined that you're going there. <laughs> and so um, that then it, it has, there's a whole unravel process. Apparently that's what I hear. Gosh. I don't know. I, didn't, I had no clue. One of the one of the privileges, I guess, of being a religious is I mean, there are bishops who are Dominicans and other religious, but it's far less common. And we have a good tradition of of, I guess, saying no um, to the episcopacy. So uh, <laughs> How I don't know, know if that's though, a good thing. It's, it's secret. I, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a secret. People make things up so you can make <laughs> things up, too. I think that's uh -huh. how that works. So, yeah. Um, well, what we wanted to talk about today with with Bishop Byrne is kind of, a, I guess, a question or a thing that I know I have, um, I guess, been encountering with people with sometimes in vocation work, people are trying to, men who are trying to discern whether or not the Lord is calling them to Dominican life or just young adults finishing college, entering the work world, professional life, young professionals, whatever label, everything has a label, but whatever label it is, um, but basically trying to find Catholic community post-college, um, trying to find places where where they fit in, um, where they can fit in, um, and basically how to like invest in a parish Catholic community. So uh, Bishop Byrne, I'm sure you know, but uh, him, he himself knows, but has a reputation of um, really revitalizing and bringing to life and, and sort of um, reinvigorating a lot of the, the places where he's been. So you mentioned being at um, the campus ministry at UMD and then at St. Peter's on, on the Hill and St. Mary's and Our Lady of Mercy, sorry, in Potomac. Um, and each place has left a sort of, uh, and then their work with the Archdiocese here in DC has left a sort of impression of um, vitality and drawing people in. So we wanted to talk about, about that, about um, this sort of common experience among young Catholics after leaving college, trying to find places where they fit in. So I guess, general question, like, does does the church, I guess, what does the church, or what do we propose? What is there on offer for people trying to find like their place in the church, their place in community in the church? Is there like a starting point, a place to begin? What, I guess, what would you point to suggest? I don't know. What, what, what do you, you recommend? Know, it's a, a it's a challenge, but it's a geographic challenge. I mean, it's different in each place. Mm. In Washington, Washington is a destination where you're going to have people coming to work on the Hill or interns. There's a whole bunch of university life. Uh, and so to, to find uh, there's an active young adult ministry within the Archdiocese. So to be able to find and connect is a little easier if you're in a geographic location where a lot of young people go. It's a challenge no matter what, because you leave your camp. Let's say you were active in campus ministry and you had the focus missionaries and you there was a place you could stop in basically 24 hours a day and hang out with other young Catholics. And um, and then all of a sudden you're launched into the world. And and so the the key is to to search and find out social media, whatever, to find out what is available in that area. Uh, and certainly in Washington it's it's not as hard to find as it is in other parts of the country. So now arriving in Springfield, we uh, there was there hadn't been anyone ministering to young adults or uh, youth at all. And so I hired that was one of the first things I did was hire somebody to help me do this. And there had been no organization in that way here for at least as long as anyone could remember. Uh, and we held the first event where I had a, uh, 
was sort of a theology untapped type of thing where I was the speaker. And before you know, we had 140 people at the very first event. And then we started structuring things into geographic regions and committees, little boards all over the place. So by county uh, and parts of a county, we had a group of young adults that were going to concentrate on that. And, and we could build bridges across multiple parishes. Um, you know, I, I think in the days of, of, the, of be, belonging to a geographic parish, where you live in this portion of the, uh, uh, of the city or town or county, um, those days are gone. I mean, we really, you, if you're a young adult, you've got to, uh, just out of college, you have to church shop. You've got to go find out where the communities are. Uh, go online, see what's going on. It takes a, it's, it takes a little more initiative uh, than it does when you just toddle over to the Newman Center. Uh, but, but it also is, um, you know, in this world of isolation and all this socialization, it's critical for your spiritual and mental well-being to, to connect. Yeah. Um, just to follow up on the the word that I kind of jumped out in what you described as initiative. I think a lot of people are in the habit of receiving the faith, receiving the sacraments, receiving the church's ministrations. Strikes me that we're in a time now where if you want to do something or create something, you have to exercise more initiative. What's been your experience of that or how have you seen that go well in the places where you've been assigned? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the um, the key, the successful key to any young adult ministry program is not that the diocese hires somebody and then they organize it. In order for it to last and to be effective, there has to be continual leadership development as people go along, just sort of a natural organic of somebody's in charge, but there has to be somebody who helps them, him or her be in charge. So that, because otherwise all you, the, the, the young adult group ages up and then you kind of have you know, if you have a young adult event, it's like the 23-year-old just out of Providence College and like the creepy 40-year-old, you know, <laughs> it's like you got to make sure that it's that that it doesn't happen that way. And so that you're continually keeping a vitality of the of, of leadership and recruitment of a younger population. And that requires initiative, just like anything, you know, if, if you um, if if you want to get, if you want to be healthier physically, well, you've got to go out and exercise. It's not like you just say, okay, Jesus, make me skinny. I've tried that for 57 years <laughs> and it hasn't worked. Uh, and so, uh, that, but I did, I worked out with my trainer today, so I feel like, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I think one of the, um, I guess one of the, I don't know, um, things that kind of in thinking about this and in thinking about initiative questions in sort of responsibility with that initiative, it comes up and because you hear sometimes, well, I've tried like from people, I've tried this parish and there's nothing going on there. Or it's just from a young person, it's just older people or from older people, there are no young people in the parish. Um, or like, well, this parish doesn't have these groups or these kind of things going on. So I'll try somewhere else, this other place, same kind of thing. So I, I, I wonder as to like whose initiative or who's responsible here um, in a parish where there's a pastor, but also perhaps people who want to do things, who's kind of, where does that responsibility fall? Like what should be, how should, I don't know, in your experience as a pastor of many parishes or campus ministry, chaplains of campus ministry, like where does, 
how how should um you know how should the lady kind of approach uh perhaps a parish or a place that is kind of doesn't have that much going on but to yeah. get that I mean, initiative going it. you know i now have 79 parishes and nine missions and if i look across the 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 ag the, ga the gamut of different e each priest brings a different set of skills and and they're not all the same and certainly not all of them um are 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 talented with working with youth and so if if there is nothing at the parish you can either look for places that have it or you can go and meet with the meet with the pastor and say is it okay if i start getting try to do some uh some programs here a, a bible study for young adults or uh um whatever the activity would be uh, uh pizza after mass or something like that so i do think that if you find if you find um uh, that that the pastor doesn't have that skill or even that initiative I don't think it's there's anything terrible about calling them up and finding out is there a way that I can um, can support you and if, and if not well then then you need to start seeing how other ways you know the an effective tool of connecting is uh, is trying to do a gathering on the social media um, so I would I I would recommend is don't be don't be discouraged you know in a certain sense all of us Catholics are sort of like paratroopers behind the lines in Normandy, you know, we're like searching out for those, for the compatriots who, who are going to understand and speak our language and work for the, for the, the, the good to build up the good. And uh, that's what it is like to be in a, in a wounded world. We all have to be searching out for those places that are going to nourish and where we can nourish. And I think that's part of the idea is that as Father Gregory said, there's a, there is, it's easy to feel a passive sense. And, and, and I think when I was in campus ministry, I said, my job is to take somebody from inheritance to ownership from verses like, I just got this faith, but now I have to own it. Um, and so I think that the most effective campus ministries will do just that. We'll try and create owners uh and not everyone's going to have that same leadership skill but if you can get three people together christ is there and great things can happen yeah yeah that makes sense i think i think that um sometimes there's a little fear of like kind of like you were saying where you have their your campus life and it's a 24 7 there are so many activities that you couldn't even possibly participate in all of them to not it's kind of where you know it's it's good to hear that like well try it see you know be encouraged don't be discouraged and, and trying to pick some of that up so um okay well why don't we why don't we take a break there for a minute and then when we come back we'll talk about um continue the conversation talk about some maybe pro tips of how to be involved what to expect an involvement in your parish and how to nourish kind of your faith from that end so stay tuned and we will be right back You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support.
Welcome back to God's Planning. Father Jacob Bertrand here with Father Gregory and Bishop Byrne, the Bishop of the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts. We've been talking about how to um, get involved in your parish, investing in your parish, especially for, um, I guess, young adults, young professionals who have had a, a particular or unique or whatever experience on campus and then kind of returning to, I don't know, I guess, normal living, adult living, how to how to find that niche and find that community in your parish. So we're going to continue with the conversation. Father Gregory, you were you were starting to say something before our break. Uh, so just a, a thought here. I think a lot of Catholics experience a kind of tension between new things that are bearing fruit and then old things which might not be bearing fruit, but maybe bore fruit in the past or could bear fruit in the future. Concretely speaking, I think a lot of folks, when they're choosing a parish, they want to be in a place where the liturgy is beautiful, where the sacraments are celebrated with a kind of dignity, where the music is good, where uh, the preaching is good, where the community is good, right? Um, but there's a lot of fluidity in church structures, and so sometimes folks find themselves jumping around, and maybe they feel, I don't know, like they're abandoning a thing that's, that's close to home that they could invest in, that they could make, make more excellent by their presence. So, you know, in this tension of kind of continuity and spontaneity or establishment and innovation, what would be your counsel for those who are looking to, yeah, to make a difference? I mean, first to grow in their faith, but also to make a difference uh, in the lives of others who want to grow in their faith. So I think that, that the initiative is always divine initiative, you know, that all, all things come from Jesus Christ. And if we, uh, otherwise we just take sort of a, kind of a failed social club and that's not uh that's not at all what we are we are the living breathing body of christ and that our encounter with jesus both personally but corporately um is ultimately and even that in itself everything is grace and everything is comes from divine initiative so any decision made apart from that whether one's discerning whether i'm supposed to be part of this community or join the uh that community or uh how the lord has loved me should come from a, a, a time spent in front of the blessed sacrament uh regular reception of the the eucharist when i was on saint peter's on capitol hill um i did this thing where i basically did a town hall meeting just to sort of set some basic goals and try to get anybody we could into the um into the conversation of where we were succeeding where we had vitality and where we needed to grow and one of the things that sort of surfaced in this large group unplanned type of process was that they'd like to be more multi-generational um uh multi-generational events in the parish so it's like okay that's a pretty easy goal because you know what that's called a cookout it has a keg of beer it has young adults cooking hot dogs and hamburgers and like older ladies making noodle salad and uh and as long as you have enough beer everything's going to be a total success and it was amazing how we started building multi-generational relationships in that and more came from that um so I, I the the rebuilding or the recreation of a uh, um, uh, of a um, of a parish just takes an openness to what God's asking of us. I've always said that about eighty five percent of being a pastor is listening, 
And if you can hear what people, because God's not just speaking to me, he's speaking to everybody in my diocese. And if I can listen to that, then I can probably hear what the Holy Spirit is asking me as the shepherd of the diocese to, to lead, and then each pastor to do just that. Um, so so I, I firmly believe that, that, that if, we, if we lose track of the fact that it's all about Jesus and the salvation of souls and the salvation of my souls, then we kind of lose track of the whole thing. Uh, and so uh, the most, the more encounters with the Eucharist that somebody has, the more they're going to know what the Lord is asking of them, because he's truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity. One of the, um, I guess, things that I often find myself coming up against in conversations, I guess in my own life too, but is a sort of like game of of managing expectations of of thinking like, well, things should be this way, or I want it to be this way. And it turns out it's not, and it probably will never be. Um, but I think it's important, uh, I, again, I'm thinking in terms of vocation stuff, but to like, in, with your, with discernment to manage, to figure out what it is, how the, how it is that the Lord is going to communicate and kind of be able to make decisions from that. I think here too, that's, that's something to consider. Maybe the sort of management, ex, managing expectations of what, um, what is like? What is the role of the parish, or at least Catholic community in one's in one's life? I think sometimes people uh, underestimate or have too low of expectations. Of well, it's just something I do on Sunday. I don't really want to get involved, or too high of expectations. Whereas this should really satisfy all of my social needs and demands. And I don't think it's either of those. I don't know if you have yeah thoughts on kind of like well, what what is like a reasonable expectation to bring to the table when you're kind of invest in, investing. Um, trying to get some things off the ground, trying to work with the parish community pastor. Like what, what is a reasonable sort of end game, I guess? And it's probably different in every place, but I you don't know. know it's if kind you've... of having had a radical life change and moving to a whole new place where I have never lived before and all, all different people. One of the most common questions that people ask me is they say, how do you like it? And I'm like, that's not even a relevant question. You know, like, how do I like it? This is where God sent me. I'm going to love it. You know what I mean? I don't really have, this is where I am. And so it's not like I have the luxury of saying, oh, well, I'm sort of fig figuring things out if I want to be here or not. You know, uh, it's not like I can transfer out. I, uh, uh, it's, this is where I am. This is my life. And, and I think in a certain sense that us, it's not resignation. It's more like trusting. It's a, there's a trust in that, in that. Uh, and I think the more that we, the more that we can um, develop, the, we'll save ourselves from a lot of angst in in our own uh, in our own spiritual experience. That that you may not be where you expected to be, but it's probably where God wants you to be, unless you're in some sort of immoral, horrible situation. Um, so, uh, so in a, in a certain sense, I think that comes. I don't know if if I had been made a bishop in, at 25 or something, which I would have understood that it maybe it was just over time realizing that, 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 that the in-between is a place and the not yet is a time and that where I am is where I'm supposed to be. And, and, and I have to find out what God wants me there for. Um, so maybe to think a little end timesy, um, People who invest in parishes or who invest in ecclesial ministry are sometimes starting a thing. They're sometimes continuing a thing. 
but some of them are are ending a thing. You mentioned the young adult group where you know you got a good group of folks, handful of them get married, handful of them enter religious life, some of them become priests or enter seminary, and then you end up with a very changed composition after five to seven years, and it's maybe it's a little weirder and not as many people want to come, and maybe it's time for a, a hard reset. It seems like in the life of the church, uh, things have life cycles. Like the universal church won't fail. Christ has promised that, but even local churches fail. Like there were lots of dioceses in Northern Africa in the 6th and 7th century, and then by the 8th century, there weren't. <laughs> um, so kind of given that scope or given that vision, what, what would be maybe a word of encouragement for folks who are yeah, experiencing great difficulty in, in places in the life of the church where there doesn't seem to be that spark, there doesn't seem to be that continued energy? What, what about them? Yeah, I mean that's the 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 diocese. Many of at least my diocese in, um, has, you know, we suffered greatly from the abuse crisis, and uh, and the church in New England was very closely aligned with power. I mean, the the archbishops of Boston were kings, and what they said, and I think that was part of how things happened because the church was, you know, in back in the twenties the bishop of springfield was there was a a rolls royce factory in springfield it was a very successful town and he was driven around in a rolls royce you know like that 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 whole that whole snow globe needed to be shaken up and uh and and sometimes like you said uh, as things die then it allows for new growth to happen um and so i think that the the key is, and like you said, end times, I think you meant like sort of eschatological, like we need to be a people of hope. And hope is not just like, oh, I hope the patriots win. No, no, no. It's about trusting in God when we when things feel hopeless, as Chesterton said. Hope is when things feel hopeless. And, uh, and knowing that God's not done. That's what I say constantly here. I say, God's not done with Western Massachusetts. He wants us to be creative in finding out what his will is and how we're going to do things as a church here because we don't have the big in, big industrial uh mills anymore with families with eight kids and they needed a polish parish and a german parish and an italian parish those days are gone and so it may seem like things are closing but in fact it's kind of right sizing to what the lord wants but we have to be faithful to what he wants and not just trying to like get people in for the sake of getting them in or not be true to the teachings of the church so that's why i chose my motto is in stem salvi one uh peter one three uh we've been reborn into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus and that's the truest reality of all is that jesus has risen from the dead so we're just working out the details right now yeah that is i it's i guess a reassuring thing when you can kind of take a step back look at the big picture and recognize yeah, Jesus is Lord in, in all of this. So, right. yeah, uh, I mean, reality reality can be sometimes smack yard in the face, but it, sometimes it's a it's a good thing to check in with too. I think. Right, so, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we have a, we have a handful of minutes left, and one of the things that uh, we wanted to bring up was Bishop Byrne. Bishop Byrne has a book that was put together about a year ago called Five Things with Father with Father Bill. Um, as far as I understand, this comes out of, uh, you had a video, a YouTube video series, and, a, and we're writing some sort of articles and kind of put together this book of, I guess, your kind of lessons learned and these sort of things to pass on. I don't know, I, I have it here on my desk, you kindly sent a copy. So 
there you so have it. So it's five but, things, um, a little standalone, five things, like five things I learned from my dog, five, five things of five delightful mysteries of the rosary. I made up all but different things of five. And, um, and there, each one, you can read your own little chapter, pick through what you want to do. Um, and the idea was it presents in sort of a, a often humorous way, but it, it actually brings true theology to people to help them understand uh, and maybe make some of the our mysteries more approachable to those who maybe aren't as confident in their theological abilities. So it, it's it's meant to be uh, a light, weighty tome. Yeah, and you have a chapter in there. I think it's the last chapter. Is that right? About about five things that you learned from uh, probably what your your puppy is that what it was? It wasn't your My dog. My puppy, but your, for, who's right dog. around here somewhere, Zelly, named <laughs> after Saint Zelly Martin, uh, and uh, and I have so she she teaches me many lessons. <laughs> That's great. She is. I know when you were at Saint Peter's, you had. Remind me, you had a, you had a, was it a, a boxer? That a you boxer had named Peter's? Rue. I had a boxer named That's Rue. That's right. Yeah. And I had a, uh, and then she went to doggy heaven. Um, <laughs> and then, and then when, and then friends of mine gave me a, an English black lab and she's a, and I live in this big house up in Springfield. I'd be rattling around it without, it's, it's good. I get up at, you know, six 30 this morning, I'm out at, 10 degree weather walking the dog. I wouldn't be doing that if um, <laughs> if I didn't have a dog. And it's good. It sort of forces me to not be lazy. Yeah, that's great. Because that's I guess, my default. <laughs> I, yeah, well, mine too. You're, you're certainly not alone in that. Um, okay. The... What, what am I getting this right? Is do you call her your Episcopop? Is that yes. a, a nickname that you have for her? Yeah. <laughs> the Episcopop. Does she have... That's awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's great. Um, really good. Uh, so if you want to get, I guess, more of, of Bishop Bill's wisdom, certainly check out his book, Five Things with Father Bill. Um, he has, I, I don't know Amazon. if you've been posting on YouTube, on Amazon. Yeah. And it's published Loyola by Loyola. Press. Is that right? Loyola mm -hmm. Press. Yeah. And then um, throughout the years in your time in the Archdiocese of DC have, uh, I think uh, right? It was while you were in DC, this, the five things sort of series with some videos on YouTube. So certainly check him out. And there Instagram, too, if you're... Instagram, I'm on Instagram. Bishop. What's your w... handle on it? I think it's Bishop W. Byrne. Is that right, Mark? Perfect. Bishop, Bishop, I think it's Bishop W. Byrne. Well, we'll, we'll put a link in, in the, um, we'll in our, in our description. So, uh, we'll definitely do that. Any final thoughts, Bishop Byrne, before we, before we wrap up here? Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, keep up the good work and uh, let's keep each other in prayer as we each find, you know, discern what the Lord's asking us to do. Uh, it's been great fun. God speaking, explaining with you. Um, <laughs> and I look forward, maybe we can do it again. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, thanks again for, for your time today. Um, thank you to all of our supporters too, who support us on Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, check us out on our Patreon page. Um, stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Check out our website for our um, upcoming retreats this summer in July and August in New York and North Carolina. And until next time, take care and God bless. 
Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.